Hello and welcome to Drive and Double Feature Podcast. I'm Nathan. I'm Ryan. And this is the podcast where we talk about two movies a week every Tuesday and Thursday. But before we get into today's movie, I want to talk to you about our Patreon over at patreon.com slash drive and double feature podcast. We have a bunch of bonus content, quizzes. Uh, we rank movies over there. It's a blast. And just for $5 a month, you get that and you help support the channel. But no main show content is locked behind patreon but getting into today's movie well i should say getting into this week we're back at it bonzilla it's another week of this i haven't counted but we're pretty deep into this we're into the 70s with both franchises we've covered a whole bunch of them and i'm excited to start today with the man with the golden gun 1974 james bond roger moore is back guy hamilton is back John Barry, the composer's back. Everybody's back at it. Well, you got the title wrong. What did I say? Well, you said the man with the golden gun, but it's actually called uh, Knickknack's Big Adventure. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Knickknack. I love Knickknack, and we'll get into a little more <laughs> Knickknack. They should have made a like, like a side like movie just about him. Yeah, like you know, like they did for Solo. It just would be <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Nick Knack, a James Bond adventure. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think that would really work. Uh, what what a movie! I actually, once again, we're kind of getting in the weird territory because I don't have a lot of like uh, time with Roger Moore's stuff. So this is another new one for me. Have you seen this one before? I have, and okay. at the at the time, it was probably my favorite Roger Moore movie when I was younger. Okay. Now my opinion has changed. Okay. But um, it was probably like in my mind the most action-packed one. So of the ones I I'd seen, but uh, I, I remember like well, I had a lot of bias going into it when I watched that movie originally because really, um, <laughs> I I like so many other kids of the '90s, I was an avid player of Golden Eye. 64 oh, oh, oh god <laughs> i know just kidding. I us, love that us, game. <laughs> us 30 year olds getting mad but anyway um <laughs> you know you could all you could honestly uh you could do like a multiplayer and mm -hmm. unlocking the golden gun was a feature yep. in that game and so i was just like there it is it's the golden gun this is what it's referencing yeah, that's pretty. No, no, that is a really good reason because that's what I thought of the whole time I was watching this. I was thinking about the dang golden gun that's in Goldeneye. I forget how do you get the golden gun because you can unlock that. I forget how you get it. Don't you have to like beat the whole game on like double secret agent? I think so on the hardest difficulty, which is crazy hard. So that is a big deal. <clears throat> right. Um, and then once you have that gun, it's one hit kills. Yeah, which is so much fun. Um, but yeah, my, my experience, I just really don't have a lot of experience with this. I had heard, um, and this is kind of just like reading around as far as critical reception at the time that this was considered the worst bond at, at the time, I should say, because as we move on, we'll probably have some that are worse. So uh, I feel like maybe I came in with lowered expectations because I know not a lot of people like this one. I actually had a good amount of fun with this. I actually, I think my opinion of this is pretty elevated. I don't think it's one of the best. Don't get me wrong with that. But when I think about the series worst, this is better than Diamonds Are Forever. 
this is better than Thunderball to me. Um, so I, I think it's not that bad. It's just a little goofier. It's definitely on the goofy side. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't agree, Nathan. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you don't like it at all. I didn't hate it, but it's definitely like lower tier. I mean, it's, I honestly, I could go with either one at this point between diamonds are forever <laughs> and man with the golden gun. Yeah. Um, it, it just, uh, there's so much in here that I, I remember liking a lot more when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, now there is some great stuff in here too. Don't get, like, but I just like a lot of this stuff, like leading up to it and some of the characters in there, I just did not like at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really wanted to like it a lot more, but it definitely treads into like this, like some of the silliness, uh, silliness mm-hmm. moments. And it, honestly, like this, this, the scene that we're going to talk about later is like one of the most, awful choices i've seen for a scene oh okay i'm excited to hear because i mean there are definitely issues with this movie don't get me wrong and there's like i remember there's one scene that we'll talk about later that i watched and i wonder if it's the same it might not be but where something happens and i was like oh okay like literally my because i was really enjoying it up to a certain point and then like i really think it tapers off in the end like some there's like one scene that happens where i feel like is the cutoff um yeah but this movie, uh, Guy Hamilton directed, like I said, but it is his last time directing one of these movies um, after a streak of three movies because he made Diamonds Are Forever. He made Live and Let Die and this one. Um, I, actually, another last time. It's the last time Tom Mankiewicz helps write a script for this. And it's the last time that Harry Saltzman produces one of these movies. Um So, and we'll kind of get into that, I think, maybe towards the end of this. But getting into the movie, we actually get introduced to the villain of this movie very early, who is played by Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee just rocks. You know, he's pretty awesome. I don't know how you felt about him in this movie. Oh, he's easily the best part of this movie for me. I mean, he's top tier, like, Bond villain, Mm -hmm. honestly. I mean, because they very much claim, like, he's, like, the anti-Bond. Like, he's... yeah. Like Bond, you know, he, you know, there's like, they have like that scene later and like, you know, Bond kills for his country, but this guy just kind of kills because there's, it's like a fun sport and he wants, <laughs> yeah. to, he wants to, he wants to kill the best killers in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's how the movie starts. He's hunting down a mobster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nick Knack like hires a mobster and like, the whole idea is like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm setting up my boss. Like, I'm going to get him killed so I get the island. And Nack is a little person played by... Um, Herbe Villages. Perfect. Who, um, who, is, who is another great character. I think him and Christopher Lee work off each other. Because, you know, Christopher Lee is an extremely tall guy. And they got this little guy with them who helps them out along uh, the way. <laughs> oh, I mean, in terms of Hitchman for mm-hmm. Bond movies best one in my opinion i could see it yeah he's just really recognizable and like he he, he gets a lot more time than you would expect you know there's like henchman like whisper i think about from the last movie who is a good henchman don't get me wrong but like him versus knickknack like i just feel like knickknack gets actually a lot more development as a character well, well yeah it's like whisper is he, he has a fun gimmick and t he you mm-hmm. know he's got a fun little gimmick you know it's it's characters you like to see but 
Yeah. They're not ones you get invested in, but it's uh knickknack is definitely the one where you're like, Oh, well, this guy's he's he's so entertaining. He's got like a whole yep. motive, he's got a backstory. I you know, I really want to see more of this guy. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, and I, I yeah, I, I love that. And I mean, we get a reoccurring character later in this movie, which is bizarre to me. And we'll talk about that. I wish Nick Nick would return later. I think that would that would be awesome. But I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, well, but yeah, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we get we get the opening, which is Christopher Lee, like in his training grounds, which is like a carnival fun house with like mirrors and crazy lights and a mannequin of james bond well it's like a whole wax museum yeah it's it's so weird i mean i get that it's christopher lee's training ground so like anything could happen and like it's like a a bizarre like thing but it feels like he instead of feeling a training ground it just seems like an easy way to kill somebody because christopher lee knows the layout and then like the henchman this mobster he's gonna be confused at where he's at he's got the upper hand well, that's the thing, like, Christopher Lee likes to play up the whole, like, oh, there's a great sport in this whole thing, and then, uh, mm-hmm. but there's really not, because it's, it's like, an unwinnable game. He's, like, he holds all the cards, he knows everything. Exactly, yeah, and uh, I, I think that's what makes that character a lot of fun, um, and, and I guess, moving into that, this is kind of our opening, really simple, sets up our villain, and then we get our, um, our opening title sequence, which is kind of a basic at least i'm I'm talking about the video <laughs> the video is very basic the song is man with the golden gun by lulu and um up to this point i think this is my least favorite james bond theme <laughs> it's it's the weakest yeah. out of the, all the ones we've seen so far well it's definitely no three blind mice that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah no i three blind mice is is like here and then Lulu's uh, Man with the Golden Guns like down here. So, you know, it, it's it, I'm sorry, podcasting listeners, you couldn't see my hand gestures there. But but yes. I, no, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. That's it's very basic. There's not really like a catch to it. I mean, they do say the man with the golden gun. They but do. It's just, like even like the melody of it is sounds like almost like it's mimicking the James Bond theme song a lot. Yeah. And it, it's so all over the place. Cause like, I think about live and let die where that changes genre in a way, right. It kind of hops around, but it, it flows perfectly. This is like a sudden, like now we're doing it slow. Now we're doing it fast. Now there's like a weird guitar in the background. It, and it's all way too loud compared to Lulu's voice. I know she's considered a good singer, but I wouldn't think so from this song. Whoa, you're calling Lulu poo poo? Uh, I didn't say that. Those words didn't come out my mouth. Shots fired. Yes, yeah, but I, I think I, what I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm just famous for talking crap on singers here on Drive and Double Feature. Oh, that's like a common thing for you, honestly. I know, right? I feel like uh, I, poor Sean Mendez still hasn't recovered. I know Sean Mendez hasn't made a new song since, and I think I don't think he's going to. Good. Uh, <laughs> I, I ruined career. <laughs> uh, well, no, I uh, I don't know. I just it's not bad, but it's just 
we're spoiled at this point and yes yeah we have some real masterpieces up until uh, now i mean even stuff like like i know you weren't a big fan of thunderball but like the thunderball theme song is great yes yeah and or you know it's it that's kind of what seems like oh well the movie may have not been top tier but all the songs have just been knocking it out of the park each time so yeah so when we get one that's like maybe not like horrible but like you know it's just kind of meh maybe is the best word mediocre um it it, it kind of stands out i i get what you're saying yeah yeah i mean um, when you go from paul mccartney like to this it's it's like wow like this <laughs> yeah is, this is this is this is how far we come i for, we, I, we don't we don't get world-class <laughs> performers on every single song yeah we've got a real drop in quality you, you were right <laughs> um but I mean, moving into that, this movie has a weird theme around it, uh, and it, it fits into the seventies. It's about the energy crisis uh, in in uh, well, I was about to say in America, but no, it's an across the globe, obviously. And um, wow, how does this movie stay so relevant? I don't know. It's really it it really is. <laughs> M receives a bullet in the mail with 007's number on it. So James Bond is quickly pulled out of that. And then James Bond kind of, well, I kind of like this interaction because M's like, you're fired. You're un- it's unsafe. You just need to get away from here. Well, yeah. Cause M is kind of insinuating. He's just like, you know, oh, we're, we're taking off this case. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to, Go take a vacation, or if you want to tender your resignation, I will. I'll accept it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, because they're worried that Scaramanga is still going to like going to go after Bond and kill him in the line of duty. And it's mm-hmm. they they really want this one mission to be accomplished. And Bond is very adamant at first, being like, "No, I want to see this mission out." Yeah, and then um, M ain't having it. And he, but Bond just kind of turns to him like as he's walking out the door he says now what if scaramanga was able was <laughs> dead before and he's like well that'd be entirely different wouldn't it so he's basically mm-hmm. it's he's going off the grid for this particular mission because it's yeah. very much like unofficial like hey if you want to go do that that's up to you but i officially by mi6 that's not yeah. an official mission yeah but that's i do think it, it sets that up, but I mean, this is later in the movie, and it's actually a couple times it makes it feel like it's an MI6 mission because he even goes to Q because he finds the bullet in a woman's belly button. <laughs> Very James Bond thing to happen. <laughs> and then M or sorry, Q tests it. And then later on, they go to a secret base where they're he's like, Yeah, you know, I'm on the hunt after this guy. So it, it definitely feels like it became a real mission, even though it's like, I, like you said, it's kind of like an off the grid Bond movie. Yeah, I mean, they never like officially say like this is your mission now. Once yeah. this is over, it's never that that never happens in this movie. It's very much like I said, he does. He's mm-hmm. like, this is an, an unsanctioned mission, but then it's very much just like, oh, okay, well, here's all the tools necessary for you to complete this mission. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but. Yeah, James Bond kind of goes on the hunt. He finds the belly button, like bullet lady, and that scene. It's whatever. It's a little. It, it's it's definitely Bond doing his skeezy stuff, as usual. I 
I thought the first half of this movie was pretty dull. Honestly. You think so? Yeah. And not until Bond and Scaramanga start like interacting with each other I did I was that's when I started getting more hooked into the movie. That's crazy because that's pretty that's pretty late into the movie. I know, but I just I don't know. I just there's there's some parts in there I like, but when I was like heavily invested in the movie, that's when it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotcha. Um and yeah, and I mean I get that because it is a very slow getting there movie because we know who the bad guy is. We've already been introduced to him, he's talked, and then James Bond knows absolutely nothing other than that that uh Scaramanga is a is a crazy assassin that could kill James Bond instantly if he wanted to. He's an assassin. He eventually runs into Scaramanga's uh girlfriend or mm-hmm. mistress or whatever, and Bond like <laughs> threatens to murder this woman and like is and uh there's like a scene too where uh bond like takes her arm and like is about to break it type of thing mm. oh that's and, he's like really violent in that scene yeah and guy hamilton you know i brought this up before like during goldfinger like guy hamilton just like oh well, she's she's a bad woman who cares if she yeah. gets beaten type of thing and um but I remember reading like Roger Moore like hated doing the scene because that makes sense because it's very much he said like Bond I, I like he does not see Bond as this, the violent type of guy at this point and was he mm-hmm. says if anything he probably would have charmed the information out of her yeah and because not only does he hold it by her arm behind her back he like slaps her hard across the face to get this information. And uh, the the only information she he gets out of her is mm-hmm. he has three nipples. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's just like, that's about that's that's as useless not having any information. Yeah, but it comes handy a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I, this is weird. I forget. Does the scene with the bullet maker come before or after this? Um, where he has the gun at him. And it's a gun meant for somebody with three fingers. So it sh- shoots like an inch lower. Mm-hmm. And he points it at the guy's groin. He's like, I have I have this gun pointed at your groin. And it's just, I thought that was a funny little scene. Yeah. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's Roger Moore. I feel like, because I actually, I'm, you know, as we watched both these movies, I'm starting to like Roger Moore as Bond. You know, he, he's a pretty good Bond. He brings his own style to it. I think that line delivery is exactly where he needs to be delivering but some one-liners. That you know, that's like we said. You know, the he's he's the funny Bond. He's the witty Bond. So yeah. he very much has like a one-liner for almost every situation. I mean, Sean Connery was kind of getting there, but I mm-hmm. I feel like that's like that's kind of Roger Moore's whole forte yeah exactly that that's where he worked best um but yeah it it ends up like going crazy places this play this movie takes place in both hong kong and thailand um the you know the place that tar was uh, you know exiled to which is horrible uh who you know tar never heard of it Oh, okay. Well, maybe one day on Drive and Double Feature, we'll talk oh, yeah, about that'd Tara. Be a great one. <laughs> oh, yeah, it'd be wonderful for the show. Uh, <laughs> but this is where another character shows up. So we 
we have a returning character and i really wasn't expecting this uh sheriff pepper shows up from uh live and let die who is the southern um southern cop i guess he's vacationing in thailand and uh he runs hey, that, on. when you think of small town sheriff you definitely think of him vacationing in bangkok <laughs> Yeah, with his wife. Like, that is so bizarre. Like, that, of course, he's there at the same time. And, um, there's a really, there's a really wild scene with, uh, with the little boy who's trying to sell the wood elephant. Oh, that, that, <laughs> that was the other scene too. Roger Moore said he hated filming. Yeah, I saw it happen. It made me bust out laughing. So, there's a boy trying to sell a wooden elephant on like a tourist boat and he literally gets pushed off the boat into the water. And so he hops into the boat with Roger Moore and he's just trying to haggle with Roger Moore, trying to get him to buy this wooden elephant. Roger Moore just pushes him back into the water real hard too. Like he like this well, kid that, goes oh, he, the but, water. Well, yeah, the kid's trying to get oh, him to right. buy, the ele- buy the elephant. He's like, look, I'll give you 20,000 if, if you... uh if you're able to make this boat go faster mm-hmm. and he, he like he flips a little he flips the accelerator the bone goes fast mm-hmm. boat goes faster and he he's like there you go sir twenty thousand. and then <laughs> he's like i'll pay you later and then just throws him in uh-huh and that little kid would later go on to be the russian guy from goldeneye that uh you know the this is a little bit later i'm kind of skipping ahead but we'll we'll go back but i just since we're on the sheriff I do want to talk about there's a big car chase scene later in the movie that is insane because there's a stunt where there's two ramps flipped on their sides and they're able to drive a car and do like a full 360 twirl in the air and land. And I remember seeing that and being like, oh, that's because I mean, of course, CGI wasn't a thing, but there is photo trickery. No, this this stunt was done for real and it actually they used computers in 1974 to make it work i think that's awesome yeah they did that and uh this is the scene i was talking about with it has a really <laughs> awful choice because yeah. it has one of the most impressive looking car stunts that yes you've ever yeah. seen in a movie it looks amazing i don't want to downplay it it is one of the best car stunts you, you could you've ever seen yeah and then they do the most ridiculous slide whistle noise. Like, yeah. Whoop, like, why? Why did they do that? Why did Guy Hamilton was in the editing rooms like slide whistle that put it in there? So that was his direction. So really? It, oh, my um, God. So I don't know if you you, you watch the documentary. Of yes. This, right? Yeah, I so, did. Yeah. So when they were talking about that, they said that the stunt looks so good that it looked too perfect. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. And Guy Hamilton was like, well, can we do that again? Because <laughs> that's it was too perfect, and the audience won't believe that it actually happened. And then everyone's like, no, we're not <laughs> doing that again. Yeah. And so, uh, allegedly, um, in the editing room, like, he direct, you know, that was one of his direction points was to put that slide whistle noise in there because... He was saying, oh, well, even the audience is going to think this looks silly. So he just, it's like, just oh, like, oh let's, let's just make a big ha ha moment, like off of this one, like, that's impressive that, scene. That sucks because I think that was a bad, because I noticed the same thing. I was like, what's up with the slide whistle? Because, like, 
1974 we're at like the he like like at the top of like you know like redneck car movies where they're doing insane stuff i i think that's fine i think that's totally believable in this movie and considering too there's so much in this one stunt that could have gone wrong and yes that i mean they made that was one thing they did like express mm-hmm. in the documentaries like this the guy could have died there was so yeah. many efforts like they had a crane just off of screen just off camera to like lift him out of the water they mm-hmm. had divers in the water just in case and like this guy was strapped into like a, a harness that it was like they said that he was strapped in so heavily that it was easier to it was faster to pull the car out than it was <laughs> to unstrap the driver I, I that man that stunt driver i couldn't imagine having that job honestly uh horrifying where was hal needham when you get when you need him i know right what now need him when you need him i know i just uh, said that I, I was literally thinking that as i was coming out my mouth wow you're comic genius <laughs> that, that's good that's good um but yeah in between this we get introduced to another bond girl well, um well oh, go ahead i no, I do want to talk about more about the the sheriff. It's it's very oh yeah, go for it yeah. It, it I you know I get a kick out of some like some of this character, like just the fact that he's here and yes. he's like, and he is just like so excited to see Bond again because like before yeah. it was like he did like he hated Bond, you know he was trying to mm-hmm. get him arrested, but that he like of all the people he gets into the car like with Bond and he's just like. Hey, you're that secret agent feller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, he, like, and he loves it. <laughs> he's, and it's funny because uh, there's like a character in the trunk, and he's like, uh, that Bond is talking to because uh, they have a radio, and he's like, "Give me that radio, Harry. Call my wife. Tell her I'm on official business." <laughs> and they get a, they actually get stopped by the police, and the police. He like pulls out his like Louisiana uh-huh. state badge and is like, I'm here on official police business. <laughs> yeah. And then of course the wallet he pulls out with like the badge is like so long. It goes like way down. That scene right there is actually the scene I was talking about where I was like, oh, what the hell are they doing? I'm talking about the bad guys, Nick Knack and uh, Salamanga. They, they get into a warehouse when they're on the run they put plane wings like it's like a transformed plane car and they fly off in this plane car and everybody's just like staring at them and i was looking at this thing i was like are you kidding me they re- this is like actually like jumping the shark moment in a way it's it's not quite as goofy as the land rover chasing but no. but it's it, it's up there <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's pretty up there. It is it's really goofy. Uh what did you think about the the Bond girl, uh Mary Goodnight in this one? My least favorite Bond girl so far. Totally. I, I, I can agree with that. Well, sorry, the, the Bond girl in Diamonds Are Forever is is pretty bad too. Yeah. The only reason why I would say it's a little different is this one it seemed like bond hated this girl like at first yeah she he's really mean to her because she's kind of there he kind she blocks the way with her car to get chased after this 
guy and he he is like like it's probably the angriest i've ever seen bond like he is to a woman at least like you know usually he tries to schmooze, schmooze him a little bit very soon after but he's pretty like oh you just like ruined everything like you know like we got to get things set up again like he is yeah. mad at her yeah and it's so you know he's trying to really seduce this other girl that we've mentioned before and mm -hmm. there's a scene that is awful too because i mean where uh he's got mary goodnight in the room with him and they're about to have sex and then the other girl comes in and like throws her in the closet and it's like she has to like be in the closet and listen to bond like having sex with this other woman and it's just mm -hmm. like i was like Ugh. and i'm like and i don't know i and i'm like you want me to buy that there's like romantic chemistry between these two and yeah. it's like it seems like bond could not care less about this girl no like this is probably the most bond has felt like other than maybe <laughs> live and let die where he ruins a whole woman's life for sex but it seems like here like he could care like it, it's a it's odd for a bond movie where the bond girl is like way more wanting bond than bond even wants to do with her well, I mean, because like the last one, um, he solitaire, he, you know, he's able to seduce her and you yeah. know, she does, she does eventually come around to liking him. But this one, it, she's like the needy girlfriend that wants the <laughs> bond to like, notice me like, uh, like, why can't we go on a date? I type of thing. And yeah. I, and that is uh supposedly that's like a lot of the criticism for this movie is her specifically and yeah like the that that and the more comedic tones of this movie yeah because this movie definitely plays up the comedy uh i mean when you got a slide whistle playing over a car jump you know you're really pushing it that there's um i mean I do think the best parts of this movie is finally whenever you do catch up with um with Christopher Lee and Roger Moore and they get to be in the room together and Christopher Lee gets to play off of James Bond it, it starts to work there it that scene I mean it's just it's great I mean yeah. that's that's the whole highlight of the movie is just like I said Christopher Lee is one of the best Bond villains for me and yeah. I, I wanted to see a lot more of that. And like, cause they even have that scene, the dialogue, which I kind of alluded to earlier where uh, Christopher Lee is talking to Bond and being like, it's like, you enjoy killing just as much as I do. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, you kind of realize, you know, Bond has killed a lot of people. Yeah. And he hasn't really shown a whole lot of remorse for no. it. So it's one of those where you're kind of like, does he enjoy killing? I mean, like, what's what's his stance on this killing? Yeah, stuff? and he never says no to like not enjoying killing. It's more like I do it for my country. You do it just to do it. You know, I get asked by my queen to do this, but he never really says if he doesn't enjoy it or not. I mean, I'm sure James Bond does because he kills a lot of people in a lot of movies. Um, but you know, that's that's a common trait of other movie characters where they do kill a lot of people but i just think and that doesn't necessarily make bond a bad guy or anything but no. it's just but i just i like the idea of a villain kind of pointing the mirror back at bond and yeah like, well, what what makes you so different than all the kills that i've done 
kind of taking the action hero and being like, look, like, hey, you know, like there, there are some like negatives with you as well, right? Like you're doing some things a little wrong. Because I mean, that's it. Almost seemed like um, that Christopher Lee almost admired him in a way. That's that's what it felt like. Like, hey, me and you are very similar. Uh, we're not going to see each other for much longer so let's spend some time together because he kind of gives him a tour they do a lot of talking for a little bit oh yeah that's the thing i mean again so there is a scene where bond is flying in to the island Mm -hmm. and they even like uh christopher lee's uh like i guess air air crew or whatever like should we shoot him down sir he's like no no let him through yeah and and again it's like so many moments he could have killed him but this one this one it's a little more forgivable i think in my opinion i think they try to make a little more sense out of it because they even meet up before where you know uh you know he kills his own mistress and they're at like a boxing ring and even even you know Christopher Lee's like hey i have nothing against you just don't go looking for me okay i'm not going to kill you and it almost seemed like i don't have anything against you man but like i i don't really want to kill you but you're here you're in my territory i'm going to kill you now because the whole thing is with the bullet and everything come to reveal it was his mistress sending everything to 007 to try to help her out and it it was kind of like a two-way thing it's almost like james bond just ended up in this situation yeah but he does admire him and he mm-hmm. does i mean they do eventually you know scott Armanga wants to have the big showdown at the yeah at that at the end of the movie but i do like the scene where he bond arrives on the island and knickknack shows up with the, with the, <laughs> the platter and the champagne and then uh-huh. Christopher Lee just shoots the champagne and just sprays all over Nick. I know. I felt kind of bad for it. Uh, and then Nick Knack, Nick Knack wants Christopher Lee dead. And yes. too. Yeah. Because he, he tells Bond multiple times, I will help you if you if you you just have to kill him. I get this whole island. Yeah, exactly. And he like shows him to like places and everything. And um, you know, it, it it's not even the end of the movie because, you know, there's the big showdown like in the fun house and, uh, you know, Roger Moore plays him a little dirty because, you know, he, he sets it up pretty evenly. It's like a classic duel. Like, all right, I got a gun. You got a gun. We walk away from each other. We shoot at, shoot at each other kind of deal. But it becomes a lot more than that. Um, but Roger Moore does a classic trick. I've seen I've probably seen this a bunch in different movies. I, I wish I could think of them right now, but I've definitely seen it before where someone pretends to be a mannequin and then or, you know, it's usually someone pretends to be a reflection in a mirror in a fun yeah. house and then they shoot him. So he, he does that old trick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've seen that before, too. But I, again, it's drawing a blank on what I remember. Yeah. But... It's also 74, so it probably wasn't even done that much by then. That's probably just like 50 years later kind of deal. It's like, oh, wow, what an original idea. Yeah, someone in the theater. Oh, my God. And in, in that guy was the director of John Wick Chapter 2. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I do think the showdown really works. Um, I, I do really like a scene later where because they have to dismantle because uh come to find out they're using solar power to create uh like this crazy weapon and 
I actually thought it was kind of a tense scene where he has to pull the module out of the out of the machine and he thinks the lasers turned off that could like basically blast a hole in his head but literally the sun's covered by clouds so like there's shots of just a cloud passing by the sun and you know inches closer and closer to the the laser turning on and i actually thought that was kind of tense of course i know james bond's not gonna die i know roger Moore returns. <laughs> yeah you thought we were moving into uh <laughs> timothy dalton next no i just thought that was the end of the series oh oh wow there's more a lot more uh, oh good yeah, yeah. I hope you enjoy them. <laughs> no, I uh, I wanted to talk about one thing. This might be kind of jumping o- over, though. But oh, uh, yeah, I you know I think being you know, like the Bond movies seem to go like a different tone in each movie, like do like a new genre. Yeah. Like the other one we kind of talked about was kind of like black exploitation almost. But mm. this movie is almost kind of like a martial arts movie. <laughs> It, it kind of yeah he does go to martial arts school at one point uh, which that's a very silly scene too because he very. goes there he goes there he beats up like everybody and then like because there's a whole other like section we didn't even mention of like this other like billion millionaire guy mm-hmm. that that the one that hired scaramanga uh, originally oh, yeah. and uh again he he figures out who Bond is. He knocks out Bond. Now, again, Bond's unconscious, and they're about to like kill him right in the middle of the courtyard. He's like, "No, this is my house. Don't kill him here." Oh yeah, isn't that <laughs> what? Isn't it Knickknack that almost kills him? Right? Yeah. With, like, yeah. With with like a trident or something. Yeah, it's literally right there. He's about to hit him in the head, and Bond just miraculously survives. Yeah, we didn't no, get it. No, no, no. He they. They, he says, I don't want my house to get dirty. So they take well, sorry, him yeah. to, they, they take him to the martial arts school <laughs> and he has to like fight all other martial artists. And it's funny because like the point where he finally gets the upper hand, he he jumps out the window. And of course, like like all the Bond's friends are just waiting outside, like, oh, we're here to protect you. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he asks, like, why were you here? And like they're like, Oh, this this place is owned by that guy. So that's why we were here. Like, but how did you know to go here? They were they were at the exact window he jumped out of. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, I, and of and, course oh, go ahead. <laughs> and of course, every Asian person in this movie knows martial arts. Exactly. The two young women in the back of the car who were like this the cops' cousins. They can just lay anybody out with like kung fu moves. It it is it's goofy, but yeah, no, I mean that's this movie in a nutshell. It's really silly. We didn't even talk about how Roger Moore puts on a fake nipple to pretend to be the bad guy at one point. Oh yeah, and then I like it too because once that scene's over, he just like rips the nipple off and throws it out. Like, don't need this anymore. Right? I was like, come <laughs> on, man! Like, you gotta know that they're watching you. You could have at least waited or something. Well, it's funny because they he obviously knew that that was that he was James Bond, and it was just like he yeah. did all that. He did all that for nothing. Yeah, I, I think Christopher Lee's the one who's watching, and he's like, he laughs. He's like, oh. Yeah, this is I know what's going on here. This is all set up because he knows uh, everything. He does. D- doesn't James Bond know at this point that the bat every bad guy just knows everything? Yeah, I mean, he's I don't think James Bond has fooled too many people with his all uh, alternative disguises. I really don't. 
uh, yeah like i think about honor majesty's secret service (laughs) where he pretends to be the guy for a huge chunk of the movie yeah like the nerdy guy or whatever yeah um but yeah i mean this movie um it's just silly i don't know i i I think you enjoyed a little less than i did i i had a good time with it i won't say it's one of the best though and it'll probably go down further the more and more james bonds we watch but at this point it was goofy and it at least has some memorable characters in it yeah i agree i mean it's not a bad entry i mean there's definitely going to be worse oh but for my money it's not it's there's very few redeeming qualities yeah and I, I will just kind of go over reception really quickly. Uh, it was not reviewed very well at the time. Everybody was saying it was kind of the worst of the bunch. Um, and it still continued and kind of agreed upon to this day that this was not great. I, I, I Probably the same feelings we do because the characters are memorable. But I just the whole everything in it. Um, and this movie cost $7 million to make. It made $97.6 million. That is a hit. But in classic, like, I feel like we talked about this before, in classic fashion, this was a disappointment. Uh, this was not what they <laughs> wanted uh, for whatever reason. And actually, that's why Harry Saltzman left. And I feel like we're going to see a little bit of a change in things as we move on, where it's just um, Cubby Broccoli being the main producer on this. Well, didn't what, this isn't what happened is that Harry Saltzman sold his half to the parent company of eon isn't I, that like how how eon came into the picture i believe so yeah um how they own almost all the movies except except for one that we've covered so far so well oh yeah and another one coming yeah, up later on later on uh um <laughs> uh, but yeah i uh there's 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 gonna be some changes most likely but mm-hmm. uh i I'd say give it a watch. A light recommend for me. I'd give it a light recommend. There's a lot of other James Bond movies that I would say watch those before you get to this one. But this one's not a bad choice. Just knowing you're going in for a sillier entry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I think that about wraps it up, right? That's it. All right. Well, James Bond will return in three years in uh, (laughs) in the spy who loved me terrific yeah but ryan what are we going to be covering on thursday well nathan going back to toho going back to toho and oh my god uh, doing another godzilla movie i mean there's there's not there's only a handful left it's really sad i can't believe we've covered this many aren't we at like 12 entries so far yeah i mean there's after the one we're going to talk about on thursday there's only three more left we're in the final four that's for the for the showa era at least yeah yeah but nathan we are going to be talking about godzilla versus gigan and that is on youtube for free just what i like to hear well i'm excited to watch that but if you have any recommendations or if you just like the show and you want to talk to us you can email us at drive and double feature podcast at gmail.com you can also tweet at us check us out on twitter over at didf pod but until next time until next time <laughs>